So that's how Frank ended. Now, the reason I told you about Frank is because Rhonda was deeply in love with Frank and Rhonda was the one covered in blood there. Completely shocked, has no freaking idea why there's a dead dude, what the fuck is going on. But I want to tell you her story of what she went through. So there's like two episodes kind of like smashed together. You guys okay with that? All right. So Frank was a friend of Henley, Wayne Henley, who became a, quote, brother stand in to Rhonda. So now Wayne, Wayne, the one who told him, let's do the handcuff trick, is now the kind of the the father figure, if you will, of Rhonda, who Rhonda was a great girl, a good girl. But her daddy, her dad hated her, threw her out. She had nowhere to go. No one wanted her. She was just not wanted. There were issues there. There were very bad issues. Actually, to to, to uh, further that point, her father put her in one foster home and she was transferred to one to the next. She was actually put on probation at one point for, you know, you know, kind of leaving, jumping out the window, mm-hmm. runaway, runaway type of stuff, doing a little bit of drugs. And this is what uh, the Houston Press, when they interviewed her. So Rhonda had to go talk to a shrink who told her how to get her father to love her. She'd always remember the advice. What you need to do is go home and cook dinner every night and every day, clean the house and your dad will love you. So, yeah. great advice. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. This is the girl. This is the girl, Rhonda, who it took 40 years for her to say, you know what? I'm fucking tired of tired of hiding behind this shadow. I am important. I suffered through a terrible ordeal and I need to talk about it. And people are going to listen to me because this is in 1970s and I'm not going to be just told to shut up and, and get along with my life. You know, I mean, look at this shrink. Oh, you want your dad to love you? Go home and cook for him. Who the fuck? Like, seriously? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So obviously you can tell she didn't come out for 40 years. What? Look at the advice she's getting. Mm, yeah. She, yeah, I mean, no I one, that. no one even interviewed her for 40 years. No one get That's the shit. Shocking about her. to me. I mean, the, she was there the night. She was the only surviving female of Dean Coral. The other guy who we're going to talk about is the only surviving male. All right. So a little bit about her and Wayne after Frank is killed and murdered her fiance, the love of her life, Wayne, because, Becomes kind of her confidant and not sexual relationship, but just like a mentor, which is really fucked up because he's the one that ultimately killed Frank, you know? So there's is the guy a good guy or a bad guy. I don't know. Right. You tell me. This night, Dean pulls up in his van and he looks pretty pissed. He looks pissed because Wayne had just ridden his bike with Rhonda. They had just got back from the hospital together or or the shrink. They just got back from the shrink together. Dean pulls up and spots them too. And he's looking pissed. He's looking pissed because he does not like females at all. Women ruin everything. I get it, bro. Women are the. (laughs) I know. They smell great. I know, but dude, you know how, dude, we would probably be like, we would probably have colonized so many other planets by now and being so productive if women wasn't a thing. But you know what? It's physically impossible for y'all. No, not anymore. Not. It's 2023, 2023, man. No, I, I think it actually goes, we women can, don't need men. No, we can. Cl- That's how that works. Literally clone fucking goats and shit. And we've done that like in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, it's really women that don't need men. See, I read somewhere. You do need men, though. Uh, that we have the. 
the don't. same, like, you know how starfish can and, and salamanders can, like, regenerate? Yeah. We have the same DNA sequence, but, like, it's not turned on for us or something. That I read that. Recently. Interesting. Oh, Got to find the turn on button. <laughs> the van pulls up. Dean looks pissed. He's like, you know, whatever. Get in. She gets in. She notices a few things. There's hooks everywhere. Nylon straps, cork boards mounted to the side of the van. That's soundproofing. There was a large box right there in the van. That what That's what she was sitting on. And Rhonda would spend the rest of her adult life thinking about the brief ride for two reasons. And this is from the Houston Post. One was, would Wayne have said something if Dean hadn't come along? And the other was, was there a body in that box? That box was the exact same box where the detective pulled the human hair out. So so they arrived around 3 a.m. It's really late. But the 911 call came in after 8. Coral, Dean Coral made this huge stink about Rhonda being there. You weren't supposed to bring any girl here he is having such a tantrum quote god damn you you ruined everything wayne henley's like she has no place to go she you know she's fine she's not going to ruin anything just please calm down Mm. he's screaming screaming the whole night he goes off into his own bedroom and he shuts the door and locks him there so now you have the three people that are there you have Rhonda, wayne henley and the other guy tim carey which you know i'm not going to really get into him a lot he is a survivor yeah so they they start the party. It's 3 a.m. They're drinking moonshine. They're huffing acrylic paint. They spent about two hours huffing paint and they would pass out on the floor. And I guess that's what you did. Wayne Henley wakes up a few hours later and notices that both his ankles are latched together. They're tied together, chained together. His his wrists are tied together too and he is completely handcuffed and he can't move. He's like, what the fuck? Dean walks in there and gives him a kick and says, man, you blew it bringing that girl. Now I'm going to fix you up. I'm going to kill you all. But first, I'm going to have my fun. So, all right. when he finally comes to Wayne, he's handcuffed. He's shackled. He looks over. He sees this guy, Tim. He is butt naked on that uh, torture device. This one right here. He is face down, butt naked, spread eagle. Nylon ropes are around his thighs. And he is butt naked. He is trying to scream, but he can't because the gag's in his mouth. And this is what Wayne sees when he wakes up. But then he notices that he's tied up. Dean comes in there and says, you really ruined this shit. There were supposed to be no women here. I mean, he's just having a tantrum, right? All right. Tina asked for clarification. Was this after they killed Frank? Yeah, yeah. This is six okay. months after. Yeah. Six months six after. Months. Wow. Yeah. I, I know I'm all starting- still hanging out after six months. Like, yeah. hey, well, hey, I know wrong? I'm Let's yeah. just get high. Yeah, that's cool. Who's going to die tonight? I don't know. <laughs> well, there you go. So well, I kind of feel like now my first impression was he was an accomplice and maybe not like yeah oh excuse me excuse me 17 months after i didn't mean six yeah this was this was 17 months after yeah dang so a lot of deaths but it's like he it's almost like he didn't care about what happened until he was right in that situation and so now so he knew Ah, he knew for 17 months that at least somebody died dean was killing yeah Uh, he knew but at that point i mean he was getting money for it so it was was good for him i mean it's good for him but at the same time like Dean was a father figure to him and we're gonna get into Dean's background and everything like that but this story is more on Wayne like I want you to decide if Wayne is yeah I just made the decision yeah he's responsible I would say I mean yeah I mean like it's like it sounds like but also like Stockholm Syndrome and shit you know yeah I don't know yeah but again like he had plenty of opportunities to do something about it sooner and it sounds like maybe he didn't until he was put in the situation where he was prison right and now it's like oh this is wrong 
What were you doing? Oh, big mistake. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. So you know Wayne Henley? I don't know him. He, Never met him. He's the one that we're kind of talking about on this story. If he, all right, so he's guilty or whatever. Now he was young at the time. He's a teenager. Should he, like, what's his sentence? I mean, he he knew about this. And now he didn't actually ever help kill. He just helped bury and he knew about it. He was obviously getting money. He was a trafficker. He was bringing boys. He was the guy, him and this other guy, David Brooks, they were bringing the boys to this guy, the candy man. Real quick, like thinking about from a movie perspective or making this a movie, just real quick. In the movie I made, you you get these people at a cabin and one of them beats his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But there's a point in the movie where you're actually cheering for this guy. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, like, so so now you're cheering for this guy because it's the only one that could maybe get you out of it, you know, yeah. yes. as an audience member, yes. right? Yes. But even he's a, a piece of shit. Yes. Yeah. But it's yeah. the best piece of shit you have. That's right. You know? 100%. So, yeah. Right. 100%. So the whole time this is going to happen, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the whole thing. Rhonda is passing in and out. And from what I've seen, it's not because of the paint huffing or whatever. It's because she's been going through since before this, she's been to this foster home, to the next. She always gets kicked out. But here's the thing that they never really talk about. It the fo- the foster fathers are the ones that uh you know come into her room oh, at yeah. night. You know what I'm saying? But it is a yeah. 70s, so that's her fault, you know? That's her fault. I've I feel really Hold terrible. Hold on, rage for her. uploading. One second. I feel really Ugh. terrible, terrible yeah. for her. The fact that no one cared about her for 40 years, but I feel bad for her. But also fostering she, a human is a lot different than fostering an animal. So like if you're not a decent human, shouldn't be fostering an animal or another human. Yeah. That's just my PSA. I'm going to kill you all. But first, I'm going to have my fun. Everyone wakes up. And this is like a horror movie. Everyone wakes up and they're all shackled. They're all fucking handcuffed. Like literally, like did this guy drug them? Maybe. I mean, they were drinking moonshine yeah. like straight from the jug. Maybe there was a drug in there they would just you know huff and paint and i guess you pass out when you have paint maybe we can try it later but i actually did buy moonshine today did you it's not the real shit though from houston from houston not from houston we got the real shit if you want it yeah we actually do have the real shit i have some apple pie moonshine at my place i got two different kinds that's not real shit though no but it had the fruit in it and i was like the fucking if it has the good if it's Fruity flavored is not fucking moonshine. No, it's I'm she's just saying, saying it has fruit in it so that the fruit you can eat it. Yeah. Well, then get, that's not goddamn moonshine then. I did get peach. It's not a fucking parfait. It's fucking moonshine. I got, I got parfait peach. may be the best damn food of all time. <laughs> and I got pineapple. Everyone loves a parfait. Where does the candy man come in? He is in the my, candy man. Yeah, like, but we're, we haven't seen any candy unless he's like, candy. unless he's enticing people with his van with like, come get the candy. <sighs> Which like, they tell us not to get straight get into the cars with strangers as kids but now we pay strangers to take us places like they don't yeah, do Uber. that yeah. yeah well so the and our food the way i do these stories you know i like to you know string people along and so you're not gonna reveal this just yet i mean i, I like to focus on like one thing at a time you know and plus i'm not done researching everything yet okay like, <laughs> you're like i'm not done with this like i still got one book i gotta finish on it you know what i'm saying but i i will tell you the can the candy corporation the candy man comes in because he was a chocolateer not chocolateer yeah i guess a chocolateer but he like would sell I other Love Lucy episode he would sell other candies yeah. so the coral candy company was his family's oh. establishment oh. 
And the the reason, and I will get to this in the next episode, but the Dean Coral, when he came back from his military career, he worked as a uh, like a, a candy producer in his in this in his parents' factory, right? And which was also really close to the elementary school, Helm Elementary School. So the kids would, and he loves little kids. Oh, that's like sexually. Oh, I mean, I don't I mean like obviously. That. So the which was crazy, right? Anyway, the, the way you said it, they're like he loves well, kids. Well, well here like, you go. Oh, yeah. Well, here you go. Do you know? Obviously, you guys know the uh, if you see a van that says like free candy on it, it's a joke. Yeah. But where do you think that comes from? It comes from this. Oh, does it really? This story is the where that comes from. Do you realize that in when in your YouTube it says subscribe for free candy? Is that what you <laughs> Yeah. So the kid, the elementary school kids would come up to the Coral Candy Company and they would come up to the front door because he would give them candy. He would give them broken candy that he couldn't sell. He would stuff their pockets with candy. Oh. That's how he's a candy man. Who but I was going to get to that on the next episode. We're not finished with this one. You're just like everyone else. Just want to bypass. I just wanted to know how he got the name. Mm, mm-hmm. At this point, all three of them wake up and they're shackled. Individually, they're handcuffed. Tim is actually face down spread eagle naked on the torture board okay and they're all just wondering what the fuck is going on and that's when Rhonda starts hearing this screaming now this screaming is like from a madman just having a tantrum but it's also just like "Ah, why did you do this why did you ruin my life type of shit and this is what she says in her interview in 2008 she had never heard her dad shout like that it seemed worse than the punishment he meted out when the girls were younger when he would line them up against the wall and whip them with a belt. Judy got it first and she got it bad. Lynn got it light. Whatever energy Ben had left, he expended on Rhonda. So we're telling this story through Rhonda. Rhonda is the girl on the torture bed. That's her official title. That's what people call her. But she hears all this screaming. Dean comes over to Wayne and he unshackles him. Not his hands, but just his feet. So now Wayne is up and she's she's kind of getting weird. Like, because this is her best friend. Like, forget about Wayne sending these boys of Dean's forget about that like she doesn't know about that right she just knows this guy Wayne who is a sweet guy who when Frank went missing you know he was there to be like hey you know he probably hitched hike somewhere and he doesn't love you you need to move on he was there so at this point she's kind of like why is he not handcuffed as well like why is he walking around why is he interacting with this Dean like what what are they doing so at this point Rhonda passes out again she'll do this many times this night and And it's not passing out from any drugs or anything. It's like a learned response from her foster home, from this foster home to that foster home. When the the foster dad comes in there and has his way with her, she kind of learned to disassociate, kind of leave her body. And that's what she's doing now. And that's what she'll continue to do, which is in sharp contrast to Tim, who is screaming at the top of his lungs for help, screaming bloody murder. And she is just completely silent, but disassociated. All right. At this point, she notices Wayne, like, you know, her friend, her confidant is pacing back and forth. Obviously, he's worried about something. He's coming in and out of the room that she's in. In one hand, he has a a, a pint of moonshine. In the other hand, he has that paper bag with the pain in it and he's huffing it. He's just really worried and he's, he's just trying to calm Dean down and trying to get the situation kind of calm. Dean, at that point, comes into the room where Rhonda's in and he says that 
that he wants to torture her. So she just heard this, like, let's torture her right now. Wayne goes down and he orders Wayne to get her. He's like, pick her up. Let's go torture her. Wayne said he can't pick her up. You know, he's he's only a teenager. He can't pick her up. Dean walks over there and scoops her up with one arm. He's a kind of a bigger guy. He scoops this girl up. She's handcuffed and shackled. Scoops her up, one arm, and then brings her into the next room, the room with tarp all over the place. And she and Dean throws her on this torture board, the same one that the other boy was on. This one right here, the same one. So she's like thrown on there, just out of nowhere, just tossed on there. At this point, Dean is just so mad because Ron is the one that ruined everything. Dean fucking hates women, hates females. He wants boys and he had his whole night planned. He had Wayne there. He had Tim who, you know, he was going to have his way with Tim. Tim Tim was the target, right? Tim was a $200. Let's ship him to California, you know, rabbit ears quote or whatever. Let's ship him to California and Dean's going to rape him and murder him. You know, Tim was the guy. But why the fuck is Rhonda here? Rhonda was screwing everything up and he was so mad about it. He was throwing a tantrum. He goes over there and he just kicks Rhonda in the stomach as hard as he can. Rhonda felt the air escape from her lungs and wanted to scream in agony, but her mouth was gagged so tightly that she could barely move her lips. He then returns and he crouches beside Tim. Now Tim is spread eagle on this board and he puts his hand between Tim's legs and pushes him on the stomach and Tim starts to resist. Dean punches him right in the back of the, the, the head, the, right in the back of the neck, punches him multiple times. He straddles him and says what he's going to, what's about to happen. And he says the following. Here's what's going to happen now, boys and girls. Wayne is going to have sex with you, Rhonda, while I'm going to enjoy young Timothy over there. Then we are going to murder the both of you. So he says that to them. They're both in the same room now. Uh, He just threw Rhonda down on top of Tim, kicked her. She kind of rolls over. She's still handcuffed. He is now completely naked. You saw his naked body. He is completely naked, erect, ready to to fuck and he straddles Tim and says this is what's going to happen Wayne is going to have his way with Rhonda and I'm going to take care of Tim here and then we're going to murder you so I'm imagining you hearing that you're handcuffed you're shackled can't move and someone says you know I'm going to murder you after this like I mean holy shit imagine that that's fucking terrible right yeah so at this point Wayne actually crouches because Wayne is supposed to, to rape Rhonda that was his instructions but he you know he is kind of like a father figure to her, you know, like a best friend confidant. He couldn't mm-hmm. do it. He crouches beside her and says, don't worry, I'm going to get you out of here. And then she's like, you know, when? Wow. Like, what the f- when? Do, you know, do something. He says later, quote, I would like to think that it was because she trusted me. Wayne will say years later, the belief that she trusted me is what gave me the push I needed to do something. So we know that Dean Coral is dead. So we know that something happened. We know that Wayne called 911 said he killed somebody. And that it was Dean. So we know that he had the courage somewhere. All right. At this point, Rhonda passes out. Now, this is like the fourth time she's passed out. But she does it as a, like her mind does it as a safety mechanism to just get her out. You know, it's kind of like when I I hear a lot of people, like I've heard this before. If you jump off a a building or something, a lot of people die before they hit the ground. I have heard that. Like they die from the shock before they even die from hitting the ground. You know? How do you prove that? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, it's it's a really good question. Yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> 
There was a story that I want to do, though. A guy thought that, I mean, he thought that he, there was life after death and they hooked him up to these machines and he was going to kill himself and then communicate beyond a grave. And it's like, that didn't happen. Isn't that a movie? Isn't that a movie with, uh, with, uh, Kiefer Sutherland and <laughs> Maybe. Flatliners? Maybe. Oh, I, don't I don't know. Right? I don't know. That's what they do. They keep killing themselves. The reanimator. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think I've heard of that movie. Yeah. And Julia Roberts is it? Oh. oh she's um, fucking hot. Oh, sorry. But I th- but um there is a neuroscientist who <laughs> He does this every week. I'm just yeah. letting you know. <laughs> there was a neuroscientist who didn't believe in life after death because science and then, then he wrote a book about had a near death experience. And, and, I what, and what? I didn't finish the book. What the Fuck, Jenny, you kind of led us on there. I got distracted. I, I, D- I is is, is there life after death or not? What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, that's what he says. There is life after death. Okay. Well, there you have it, friends. <laughs> <laughs> there. We solved all of And then I just read. And then I just read an article. Um, I no, I just read an article. I'm better with articles than books because they take less time. Have to you read. tried audio books? <laughs> I haven't. So this article I read the other day was about a priest who um, he had a near death experience, but he actually actually went to hell and he said that people were like chained up like dogs and walking on all fours and that Rihanna's umbrella was playing on repeat. That sounds like hell. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like an accurate description. Yeah, I don't so, know. Maybe yeah. he's something. He probably gets down there and is, notices there's no little boys down there. He's like, fuck, oh. this is fucking hell. How am I supposed to yeah. ejaculate Damn. here? You know, okay. Priest, All right. Can we get back to the story I understand now? your there, point. There's, right, yeah. there's been yeah. some yeah. scandals okay. with you. priests. We got yes, it. We understand. Thank you. Yes. If you haven't heard. Go ahead. Rub it in. Salt in the In wood. Boston, there make, was a priest. Make fun of the Catholic Bostonian in their faith. Or it's two fine. Or we got it. Forms. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, this guy is the one that you guys want to spin in jail. I mean, this is a teenager. You know, he's paid a measly 200 bucks to deliver these boys. He thinks they're going to California. He doesn't know that they're not, you know, but he does a little bit about Wayne just really quick. He grew up in a terrible home, just like all the other ones in the story. He had acute asthma attacks. His his grandfather was the only one that really cared about him. And he would later say, quote, they had a little dinner tray they put on the edge of the bed to hold cups. I like being there. I owe my life to them. End quote. His father was drunk. His father was drunk all the time. And when his grandfather finally passed away, when he was only seven, his life kind of went downhill. He dropped out of school at ninth grade, although they did test him, IQ test, and he had 120 26, which is pretty high. I don't guess. I don't know. Mine's probably like one, I guess 160. <laughs> but anyway, his dad was a drunken, abusive father and, and that was it. And he loved his father, but only on the rare occasions that he was sober. The reason I'm telling you this is because Wayne is a father figure to Rhonda and Rhonda's sitting there and she's wondering why Wayne is uncuffed. And now he's like, don't worry, I'm going to get you out of this. Dean is literally torturing Tim right next to them. And he he is whispering in her ear, don't worry. What the fuck? How am I supposed to not worry? Is he assaulting her while he's telling her not to worry? No, he he defied the order to do that. Dean said, torture her, rape her. He didn't because he couldn't, you know, he I mean, she's like a sister to him. So they started arguing. Dean and Wayne started arguing about this and they go into the kitchen. And at this point, Rhonda passes out again, but she notices when she wakes up a few minutes later that there's some real loud 
music playing. Dean actually has this radio, this boom box that he, he uses quite often for his torture sessions. He basically turns it up as loud as it can go to muffle the screams of the, the kids getting raped. They're in the kitchen and he, he orders, orders Wayne to go and torture and rape this girl. And Wayne at this point, and he's ordering him with a, a 22 caliber pistol. He says right in his face, you are going to do this. You are going to do this or I'm going to kill you. So eventually he says, okay, yes, I will do this. I will do this for you. I will torture her and I will rape her and we'll kill her. Now she's hearing all this, right? She's hearing all this. So Wayne began begging for his life. He promised to torture and kill his two friends if Dean wanted him to. Quote, I'll, and this is in his Houston accent, quote, I'll do anything you want me to, Dean, anything. So Dean finally removes the handcuffs off his wrist. Dean comes in and Rhonda, she just came to again and she hears his loud thump. He puts down this metal toolbox. It's all rusted. It's this old, old toolbox. Just You can hear the tools rattling in their pliers all kinds of shit, you know, I'm like, what's he doing with this? I mean, it is literally 5 a.m. in the morning. What is he doing with this? A huge thud. He puts it on the ground and in shock from what she thinks is about to happen to her, she passes out again because she knows that she's about to get tortured and there's a there's this rusted old metal toolbox with shit just rattling around, around in it. Quote, cut off her clothes, end quote. That's what he ordered her. He hands Wayne this hunting knife and... And he starts ripping. Wayne goes down and starts cutting off her clothes. The one that died here is Dean. Everyone else was a survivor. Tim Curley later said in an interview with ABC, he described it as, quote, absolute madness, terror, while Coral threatened to cut off Curley's arm. He was threatening to cut off his arm. That's what this guy's going through. He's butt naked, spread out, handcuffed to a board. I showed you the board, the exact yeah, board. He's not for tying shoes. He, he's like face down. Down, handcuffed to this board. <laughs> we don't know if your your Maybe dad's version was for that either, but it was. Yeah. It was only I'm the sure. size of a shoe. Yes, it was. He literally traced the shoe, and and now he is handcuffed to this board, butt naked. He's and now he hears Coral, who is a complete madman, threatening to cut off his arm. Like what? You cut off my fucking arm? Like what the fuck? He tells Wayne he better be prepared to rape Rhonda. At some point, Dean had taken off his clothes and he tells Wayne to strip Rhonda as well. Wayne puts a knife to Rhonda's belt and in a flash cuts the belt, jeans, and panties. He's about to do the same to her shirt, but she says, please no, it's her friend Sheila's shirt. Don't rip it. And then, oh, yeah, you can't yeah, rip yeah. Sheila's shirt. Isn't that nuts? Please, please don't. After I'm dead, she might want it back. Yeah. She she's is going to want to know what happened to it. She met Frank at 13, so she's 14 right now. 14 yeah, years 17 old. Months. Yeah, yeah. 14 years old. A no, 14, no, I know. I'm doing the math 17 months. Okay. A 14-year-old is more concerned about her friend Sheila's shirt getting ripped. Well, that's a good friend. Please don't rip it. It's Sheila's shirt. Please don't rip it. Rhonda asked me, and this is what he said years later, Rhonda asked me, is this for real? And I told her, yes. And she said, are you going to do anything about it? Said Henley. That was enough, though, for Henley. Henley, he is now uncuffed. He is ordered to rape Rhonda, his, one of his best friends, and he has had enough. He's just been threatened with a 22 caliber gun. And keep in mind, Dean is naked right now. He is straddling this other boy, this 
Tim guy. So he is, does not have access to this gun. He put the gun on the side table. And that was a very bad mistake. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'd say. Now, think about it. I mean, this is over. Wayne Henley, like his father is abusive, drunk, hated him, beat him. He the whole time was looking for a father figure. Dean is twice, you know, his age. He's nice to him. He lets him come over there and, and they party and stuff and they get, get along really well and he treats them really well. To him, that's his father. So at this point, this is literally, like someone said earlier, a, a good versus evil type of situation at this point. This is literally his father. He doesn't really know his fucking father. His father's drunk, doesn't even live with him, whatever. But Dean's more of a father to him. He's been there every day, every day. Okay, so, you know, we got in a scheme where I'm selling kids to go to California, whatever, you know, 200 bucks. Okay, I guess I'm, you guess you're killing them, whatever. You're still, you're still the person I have. So now he's got to, he's got to man up in this battle of good versus evil where he's got to say, okay, this is enough. And Dean obviously had not thought that he would go and do this, that he would rebel because he let him, you know, handcuff free. And he is straddling Tim right now, prepared to insert himself in him. Has no idea where the gun is. He trusted Wayne that much. Not trusted him, but just knew that his son wouldn't do that. Tim started screaming. Rhonda passes out again. She's begging. Now, are you going to do anything about it? End quote. And then something switched in, in Wayne. You know, high school dropout, ninth grade dropout, nothing's huffing fucking paint, smoking, drinking, stealing. They were thieving. He's had police fucking after him. All of a sudden, he said, fuck it. I'm No, this is whatever line this is, uh, is crossed. Dean stood up and saw him change into a different person, Curly said. There was somebody else inside of him, and it wasn't him. It was a spirit from hell. He got up and he grabbed that 22 caliber. Now, he is the one in charge. Or is he? Because is he really going to shoot his father figure? You know what I'm saying? But as of now, he's the one in charge, or at least he thinks he is. I want to say Tim Curley, in 2008, he told ABC News, quote, when someone ties you to a board, the odds are pretty good that you are not going to walk out of there, end quote. I'd say. He's, Tim is screaming. Wayne gets up and he grabs the gun. He doesn't know what he's going to do with it. All he knows to do is point at fucking Dean. That's all he knows. Point at fucking Dean. He's never even fired a fucking firearm before. Point at Dean. He doesn't have Call of Duty. He doesn't do headshots and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? He just points it at him. And the one thing you do not do if you want to kill someone is look them in the eyes. You do never, you never do that. You never look them in the eyes. So he was doing that. He was looking in his eyes, looking in because Dean got up. Obviously, he's butt naked. On top of this man, and he gets up fully erect, naked, and he's like, what? What are you going to fucking do? You going to fucking shoot me? Are you going to fucking do this? You're too much of a pussy. You're not going to fucking shoot. I mean, like, can you imagine that dude? You saw a photo of him dead. That's what he was like. At this point, Rhonda passes out again. She disassociates, leaves her body. She would later say that she was naked and ashamed, which, you know, is an, a natural human reaction if you're naked. And literally Adam and Eve shit, right? Like, if, you know... It's crazy because like when people die like that, like commit suicide, like they they want to be in the best clothes possible. They don't want to be ashamed, even though it's not going to fucking matter. They're dead. You know, she was naked and ashamed. But, you know, whatever. For her, that's nothing new. Several of her foster fathers saw her like that and took advantage of it. He jumps up. Do it, Wayne. Kill me. Now he's sitting there butt naked. Erection. Do it. You won't fucking do it. Sorry, I'm getting a really. Yeah. <laughs> 
was into just this. like I didn't, weird, but okay. I didn't fucking eat today. I'm drunk. Okay. So I don't want to hear wasted. it. Okay. Right. I am Got fucking it. wasted right now. So he is, Wayne is holding this small caliber, 22. That's nothing, man. A 22 caliber is fucking nothing. If he didn't have that one forehead shot, nah, I don't know. Anyway, he is shaking. He's looking in Dean's eyes, his father figure of all those years. He's like, you're not going to fucking do it. You're too much of a pussy. Remember, Dean is this military guy, right? Big old guy. Wayne stalling. And all of a sudden, Dean rushes forward, naked, erect, and running right at him. That sounds terrifying. Like to see that, like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. No, direct, yeah, yeah. Direct, direct part. <laughs> All of it. Oh, yeah. Kind of. Pretty much. I mean. From the book, uh, The Man with Candy, quote, kill me, Wayne. He said, kill me. The boy backed away, but the powerfully built man charged after him. When they were only a few feet apart, Coral said, you won't do it. Henley pulled the trigger and pulled it again and again and again. Dean rushes forward. Like I just said, Wayne closes his eyes and just pow, 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 pow. Empty the fucking, and you know, it says there's times where you're still pulling the fucking trigger even though nothing's coming out. (laughs) He probably pulled that trigger 20 times. You know, nothing's coming out. Every fucking round went into him. That's how close he was, though. I mean, this guy doesn't, he never shot anything before. He wasn't aiming. He was just that fucking close. That close to being fucking killed. That's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah. I had Dean in a corner seat, and he told me, you won't kill me. I shot him coolly until I ran out of bullets. I shot him once in the forehead. My hand went down, and I shot him twice in the shoulder. I stepped aside. He ran through the door, and I shot him once in the back of the shoulder, twice in the small of the back, to make sure he stayed shot. Now, I stepped us. Listen to this. I shot him once in the forehead. First shot. Boom. That's the killer. Shot him once in the forehead. He ran through. He's running full fucking speed. Running at Wayne. Full fucking speed. Running at him. Shoots him in the fucking forehead. Dean still is running because the fucking adrenaline, right? Still running. Shot in the forehead. And he just steps aside and lets him just go right there. Fall right right on the floor. Boom. Isn't that fucking nuts? Mm-hmm. Fucking crazy, right? Cute, cute dead guy. I mean, yeah. just right in, the, com. Dude, right in the forehead. Spons- today's sponsor. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Dean is two feet away from him running full speed. Shot right in the forehead. Wayne steps aside and he's obviously pumping more bullets in him, but he is still running. Shot in the forehead like it hasn't processed, okay, you're dead now type of shit. Rhonda passes out again, but she wakes up and and she, it's like a whole different scene at this point. She, she had no idea what just happened. She was passed out during the time. She, she can feel the gag in her mouth, the blindfold. She's hearing this ruffling going on, but she doesn't really know what was happening. Wayne unties her, undoes the handcuffs, and she is just in a daze. She, you know, she runs out the front door or she makes her way that way. And she trips over Dean and gets that blood all over her. So that blood that was on his back. That's where it came from. That's where that blood, that's where all that blood got through her clothes. Or not her clothes, but she put her clothes on after. She was naked. She, you know, and then they just sat on the fucking porch. Sat 
dead on the fucking porch. Had a cigarette. It wins yeah. probably a no Wednesday shit. Wednesday morning Coffee. at eight a.m. Fucking Houston, sitting on the porch smoking a cigarette. Sounds like a proper end to a horror movie. See, Jeez. I was just gonna yeah. say the same. Yeah. yeah, that's a good ending right, right like, there. Yeah, fucking what a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so wrapping this up, Tim Curley says that Henley made a weird statement to him while they were waiting for the uh, police to interrogate him. Quote: He told me if you wasn't my friend, I could get two hundred dollars for you. Damn. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Still thinking. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. Gosh, he really wanted that two bucks. Yeah. So the police ask him, you know, who is this? What the fuck? You know, what is this? What's going on? Who is this guy? And then Henley says, you know, well, I've been delivering him these boys for the past few years. And I can show you where 29 dead boys are buried. One, Damn. Yeah. In three different spots. So. I think he is an accomplice at that yeah. point. <laughs> you know where the bodies are. Yeah. You, yeah. You know. That's right. If he did, if he was under the assumption that they had gone to California or like right. was like oh I have no idea where right. they are exactly yeah you know but if like I know where the bodies are yeah now I want to say I put the you remember Frank yeah the kid the eighteen year old his body was recovered from High Island Beach that was the first one stored there because at this time Dean had ran out of room and there was and quote realized he had to do some rearranging before he could stow more bodies. Quote. Oh, so he stored them in a couple of different places. Uh, yeah, we're going to go into his background in the next episode and, you know, mm-hmm. next week and talk about that. I want to show you this photo, though. This is pretty impressive and uh, or this is pretty great. So the total is 29. But this is the photo that hit the uh, front page of the news right here. You can see it in front of his house. The paper that says he helped kill 25 to 30 total in mm-hmm. front of his house. Wow. They put that there. Isn't that fucking cool? That is. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that fucking awesome like right in front of the house now that is how to sell a hunt but it's kind of yeah. it's kind of interesting that like like they like the the paper people didn't realize that's where it was because there's other papers like are. days of yeah. papers I think there. they did that on purpose I man. don't know I, I like, don't know man I mean come on you don't think they did that on purpose it's well done yeah we can go over Wayne Henley another day but I want you to read this one last quote from him and then we'll wrap it up my only regret is that Dean isn't here now so I could tell him what a good job I did killing him Oh, so that's the story. Oh, mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> drop. Uh, we will go over Dean Coral in in the next episode, the whole thing. But and yeah. and now you really kind of know you're primed to really know his background. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what he's capable of. Yeah. You you saw him drag this boy by his fucking back pocket into the house. You know. I mean, you know he's a monster. Yeah. Anyway, I hope you guys like that. I know it's kind of weird, kind of weird how I did it. I hope it turned out right. I know I started at the end, but yeah, that was a request from Austin. Shane Shane, yeah. what up, dude? And and we'll cover. I'm not gonna be like Charlie Manson, dude. I am not gonna be like that anymore. So if you don't know, John has never not completed uh, so, part two of Charlie Manson. So I was asked to do Charlie Manson, so I did like the Sharon Tate murder, and then that's it. Okay, <laughs> I didn't right. even you mention Manson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah still to come still to yeah. come so like my part ones like usually it's like a podcast is part one and then part two it's like part one and then like 30 episodes go by and then a part random two. part two yeah. <laughs> it's like what the fuck gotcha. <laughs> anyway I'm not gonna be like that anymore I will do this next week I promise but that's the story that's it that's what happened so but anyway I hope you guys enjoy that and until next time good night you lovely lovely people